Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. We are finishing up, we are capping off this sermon series, this, this uh, panic attack sermon series that we've been for the past few weeks. And, and honestly, this has, been, this has been one of those series that all month it's really had me thinking and praying. And, and one of the things that I've been, been praying about, especially with everything that's going on in the church, one of the things I have been praying deeply over is the fact that it is, it's the fact that it is entirely possible for you and me, it's entirely possible for us to experience two conflicting emotions all at the same time. You and I, we can, we can experience hardship and hope all at the same time. You and me, we can, we can experience fear and joy, fear and excitement. We can experience panic and peace all at the same time. At least that's what Matthew's gospel tells us. You remember, do you remember in Matthew's gospel whenever the women go to, to the tomb of Jesus and they walk in? You remember what happens whenever they discover that it's empty? You remember what happens? You remember what happens whenever the angel confronts them with the glorious good news of the Savior's resurrection? Remember what happens? Matthew tells us that the women ran away. They ran away from the tomb filled, filled with fear and great joy. Two conflicting emotions, two competing emotions experienced all at the same time. As if held together, one in each hand. And, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's what some of us need, need to hear this morning. That in those moments when panic attacks, in those moments when, in those moments whenever fear and stress loom in those moments, it's okay. It's okay to feel that, it's, it's normal. It's normal to feel that. But that's not the only thing that we have to feel. We don't have to feel just those feelings. No, we can cry out like the, like the father who begged Jesus to heal his son. In those moments, we can cry out, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. And you know what, we, we may not understand that entirely. We may not be able to chart it out, to graph it out in nice, neat little columns and rows. We might not understand his words entirely, but we don't have to understand them entirely because we know what they mean from the inside. Because we've all been there. We've all had those moments, Lord, I believe, help my, my unbelief. Lord, I believe that you can make a way, but now help me to believe that you will make a way. It's, it's panic held in one hand with hope in the other. It's panic held in one hand with trust in the other. It's panic held in one hand with peace in the other. And and you want to know one of the greatest culprits, you want to know one of the greatest causes of panic, one of the greatest causes of anxiety in this crazy old world of ours? It's simply making a choice. 
It's just deciding it's, it's choosing something because it has gotten progressively harder. It's gotten increasingly harder to do these days. In fact, the experts, the people who, who study such things, they tell us that today, today alone, you and me, the, uh, the average typical adult in the United States, we will make 35,000 decisions just today. 35,000. They call them remotely conscious choices. Mine are probably more remote than some of ours, but you know, 35,000 choices and, and the options abound. I mean, just, just walk, walk down the cereal aisle. Just walk down the, the deodorant aisle. Or, or worse yet, go and try to buy socks on Amazon. You know what? You're going to have over 40,000 options to choose from. But let's just say on the off chance that you actually find something that you love, you get you some socks and you go home and you're looking all good in your new socks and you're smelling all good in your new deodorant. And let's just say that you want to watch a movie. Well, that's when the real fun begins. I, uh, I went and I counted them. I added them all up just in the streaming services that we have alone. And we don't subscribe to all of them, but just in the services that we have uh, at home, not counting regular old TV, I have over 22,000 options, 22,000 movies at my fingertips alone, 22,508 shows that I can call up. And here's the real kicker. We still most of the time can't find anything good to watch. (laughs) Y'all, it's no wonder that we're overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed because we're over-optioned. We're over-choiced. We're over-choiced and we're under-prepared. I mean, it's not necessarily that, that less is more, but it does seem true these days that, that more seems to be less. It's, it's the paradox of choice. It's the anxiety of choice. It's the tyranny of choice. Those are all the things that experts, the psychologists, those are the, that's what they're calling this, this new struggle of ours. And even they, obviously, they're having struggles trying to figure out what to call our struggles with choosing things. But at its heart, it's simply the panic, it's simply the paralysis, it is the fear, it is our fear of choosing poorly. And the heart of it, we just We just don't want to make a wrong choice. We don't want to make a bad choice. And that's exactly what we see in our scripture for this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke this morning. So pull out your Bibles if you have them. Uh, Maybe you have a Bible app on a cell phone with you. I hope by now we've all downloaded the WC Life app. Uh, Go ahead and turn it on. Again, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 9 this morning, picking up our reading with verse 57. Um, And here's what we read. Hear now the the word of the Lord, friends. As they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, Jesus said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But, But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but 
But first, let me say farewell to those at my home. And, and Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I'll be really honest with y'all this morning. Um, I've, I've always winced whenever I've read these words. Because they, they make Jesus seem, they make Jesus sound just kind of cold. He comes across a, a little uncaring. I mean, here you have, you got these three guys and they really want to follow after the Lord. It's the most important decision that anyone can ever make. And there it is, and it seems like, like Jesus is throwing cold water on them. But that's not what's happening at all. What's happening is is actually because of the fact that Jesus just cares so much. This is Jesus caring enough to be honest with them. It's Jesus caring enough to be really real with these guys about the, about the true cost, about the, the true hardship of what it is of following him, what it really means to count yourself as, as a disciple, what it's going to cost. Because these guys, guy number one and guy number two and guy number three, for as much as it seemed like they wanted to follow Jesus, they wanted to do so in their own way. They wanted to do so on their own terms. It wasn't just that they wanted to, to choose if they followed Jesus. They wanted to choose how and when to. Because these guys, these guys had a whole lot of other options. There were all of these other things that were, that were screaming for their attention. And whenever we read about them, when we read about their other options, when we read about all of their excuses for putting, for putting Jesus on hold, when we read all the stuff that was screaming for their attention, none of it sounds bad. In fact, we read that stuff and we say, oh, that's kind of normal. I get it. it. It sounds even kind of good. Jesus, Jesus first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus first, first, let me go and bury my father. And that's the one of all three, that's the one that's always given me like the most heartburn. But, but it, wasn't, it wasn't like this guy that his father had just died. And that's, that's not what's going on and that's what seems to be going on. It's not. This guy's dad had not just died. The Jewish custom, the Jewish tradition said that you had to bury a body within 24 hours. That's not what's going on. What is going on, what this guy was really saying to Jesus, he was saying, look, Lord, my dad is getting old. So let me go home and let me take care of him. And whenever he passes, whenever he goes the way of all souls, then Lord, then Lord, I will follow you. Then Lord, then I will choose you. And Jesus wouldn't allow it. Jesus couldn't allow it. He couldn't let all of their excuses, all of their stipulations, no matter how good, he couldn't let any of that stuff get in the way. He cared too much. He cared enough to call them out. He cared enough to cut to the chase to, to point out to them that, look, there are just, there are some decisions that, that can't wait. There are some decisions that we can't put off. There's some decisions that have to be made today, right now, and choosing Jesus, that's one of them. It is, the, it is the decision that supersedes every other decision. And it's a decision that we need to make today. And it's a decision that we need to make tomorrow. And it's a decision that we need to make the day after that, and the day after that, 
and the day after that. See, the, the decision, the, the choice to follow Jesus is a choice that we have to make every single day that God gives. It's a choice we make every single day, and I, I will promise you this, once we do, once we make that choice, it helps us make all our other choices. Todd, thank you for that word, and you are exactly right. And the question is how? How do we remember? How do we remember that the choice to follow Jesus determines all the other choices that we make? How do, how do we remember that to be faithful in a world like ours that is uncertain with all these choices around us, how do we not have a panic attack right. in the midst of that? And that's what I want us to think about today by lifting up for us four words to help us deal with the choices that you and I have to make. Four words that are really important for us. And the first word is prioritize. You see, these people, were re they were sincere. They wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus is saying, before you come and follow me, you've got some choices that you have to make. You have to get your priorities in order. Right. And the same thing for us. If we want to follow Christ in our lives, with all these choices around, we're going to have to learn how to prioritize and focus on the choices that are the most important. And so to help us think about how to prioritize, think about it in terms of all of the choices that we have to make. There are three basic categories. And think of it in terms of three buckets. Okay, here's bucket number one. <clears throat> bucket number one is that red bucket. Those are the things that we have to do. The things that we must do if we're going to live a faithful life the way God has called us to do. That's bucket number one. We need to be clear about what's in that bucket. Bucket number two are the things we want to do. But the truth of the matter is there are a lot of good things we want to do and we can't do it all. So how do we decide among a lot of good choices what we actually do? That's bucket number two. And when you think about those items, bucket number three um, or all those other choices that we make. And I remember something Pastor Todd says that I have learned from and I live by. And one of the, he has a saying that says, every hill's not Calvary. And by that he means every decision is not that important. Everything is not worth dying for. There's a whole lot of choices that we make that really do not determine the future of our lives or our family. You know, the, the survival of our nation does not depend on whether I choose strawberry or vanilla ice cream this afternoon. It's just not that big a choice. And to be honest with you, most of our 35,000 choices go in bucket number three. And we need to kind of remember that as we face all of those different choices. So the question is then how do we prioritize how do we remember those things that are most important? And I think that's what Jesus is saying to us in verse 62. Remember what he said? No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus says you need to be aware which of your choices are kingdom choices. Which of your choices are those bucket number one choices that make all the difference in the world? And in bucket number one, there are certain people, there are certain parts of our lives that are just so important that we need to be aware of them when choices come. When I was a freshman in college, I had pledged a fraternity, 
And there was a graduating senior then named Peanut Alford. He was a graduating senior. He was from a little bitty Louisiana town, and he was full of those old country sayings. But one piece of wisdom, he said, stuck with me, and I've always remembered it. He said, there's certain people in your life that are so important, I don't care what they ask you to do. If they ask you to go watch the paint dry, your answer is yes. You change your plans, you rearrange your schedule, you do whatever it takes. What he's saying is that there's certain relationships that are so important that it's more important than the things you do and how you entertain yourself. People matter the most. Do we know those bucket one people? And really, if somebody's a bucket one person, the choice is easy. It's yes. Whatever they want, it's yes. Whatever they need us to do, it is yes. I will tell you, some of my bucket one people are my grandchildren. If Jack and Will were to call me on the phone and say, Dee Dee Daddy, you want to come over and let's watch the tomatoes grow? My answer is yes. I'm going to fire up the car. I'll be over there in 30 minutes because they're that important to me. The answer is always yes. So there there are people and parts of our lives that are bucket number one. They're a priority. The answer is always yes. We do the best we can to, to live out of those priority one people and situations. But then Jesus puts a little kicker on us in this passage. He asked the question, is God in your number one bucket? Remember the first commandment? God's first. God wants to be before every other person, every other thing in our lives. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. What he's saying is, is God in our number one bucket? I remember when I was growing up at Bossier City, Louisiana, some of my very best friends were Catholic. And I remember I was so impressed by the way that they practiced their faith, the way that they were faithful about worship, because for their families, it was a non-negotiable item. They were going to go to worship every single Sunday morning. That was just the foundation of their lives. Didn't matter if they were on vacation. Didn't matter if they were at the lake house for the weekend. They found a church. They planned a service because that's what they did. When their families woke up on Sunday morning, they didn't have this array of choices to consider. They didn't think, oh my goodness, do we want to sleep in today? Or do we want to go to church? Or do we want to go to brunch? Or do we want to watch the pregame show to get ready for the Cowboys? (laughs) They, They didn't have to struggle with their choices because their choice was easy. They only had one choice, and that is they were going to go to church. It's not if they were going to church, it was when they were going to church because that was in their number one bucket. And I wonder about us. We say God is first in our lives, but the way that we worship the Lord with our prayers and our presence and our gifts and our service and our witness, does it bear evidence to God being number one in our bucket? The way that we love each other, the way that through our lives we draw people to Christ, does it give evidence that God is Number one in our bucket. If we're going to get this right, we have to prioritize what goes in bucket number one. But here's the second thing we need to analyze. See, these, these were good men. They wanted to follow Jesus. Yes, Lord, we want to follow you, but they had these other good things that were getting in the way. That's the way it is with bucket number two. All of the choices are good. How do we pick between them? 
And I think that is a continual challenge for all of us. The truth of the matter is we all have this, this, a lot of good things in our lives. There's a tug of war going on constantly. How do we choose between competing claims on our time and our lives that are all good? Well, I think we have to have some good friends that we need to be honest about it. We need to talk about it. But we need to have a way of assessing all of the good choices so that we can find the best choice for us I was looking up an old saying that I wanted to use in the sermon, and I, I found the history of it, and there was just a great story that made this point. There was a, a senator from Massachusetts in the 1970s and 80s named Paul Songus. You may remember. Uh, he came down with cancer. It was curable, and he was beating the disease, but during the time he was battling, he decided to not run for re-election. And he was talking about this and he said, you know, he had some good things in his life and he was trying to sort through, trying to evaluate these different good things. One was his public career. He'd given his life to that. He felt it was a calling. It was good. But the second was his family. And he thought his public life was getting the way of his family. And while he was struggling with this, trying to analyze these decisions, he got a letter from a friend. And that letter shared the quote that I was looking for, and it really made a difference in his life. This was what his friend wrote in the letter. No one on his deathbed ever said, I wish I had spent more time on my business. And so he decided to retire. The truth is, how do we analyze between good choices that all of us face in that bucket too. I jotted down some things to guide us. Let's look at these four things for us to look at when we're, when we're analyzing. First is values matter. All of us have core values and principles that are really important. Don't go against them. If we do, we will regret it every single time. Second things, know what we know and what we don't know. None of us is an expert in all areas. We may have issues to sort between that we just don't know. Reach out to an expert, reach out to a friend. Let somebody give us information that we don't have. Third thing, keep the right perspective. When we have a choice to make, just look at it from every angle. Look at the facts, look at what our gut is telling us, look at what our conscience is saying. Look at it from a lot of different angles and listen to all of these sources that God uses to speak to us. And then finally, don't procrastinate. Sometimes we get stuck because we want to make the perfect choice. Very rarely in life is there a perfect choice. Sometimes we just have to do the best we can. Todd, remember what Voltaire said, that perfection is the enemy of the good. Sometimes we just have to make that choice. So what do we do? We prioritize, we analyze. Third thing that we need to do is we capitalize. And this is going to seem strange but we have to capitalize on our mistakes. And we've all made them. There's times that we have let our lives get cluttered and too busy. We need to go back and remember them, learn from them, let Christ redeem them. The truth of the matter is what's Jesus saying to those men? He said, keep the main thing, the main thing. How often in life have we just filled our lives with a lot of stuff that's not the main thing? And we need to be honest when that happens and learn the lesson, don't do that. Don't keep repeating that same course over and over and over again. So it seems to me there is a test that we follow to help us make sure that we don't do that, that we capitalize on our mistakes. 
when these type three choices come up and they're just they're surrounding us. Those are the 35,000 choices. We need to realize, you know what? It's really not that big a deal. And don't spend too much time on it. Don't obsess on it. Don't get bogged down in the minutia of life because there's just too many choices. Don't, don't, don't give them more than, than we need to give them. Focus on bucket one and, and bucket two. And I say that because I'm sharing with you from my own life and my own mistakes. There have been seasons of my life that I did not do that well, that I filled my life with just too much because I have some really bad habits. I am kind of a micromanager at heart, and I can be a control freak at heart. And there was a time too much stuff came to me, and I couldn't deal with it all in a, in a good and healthy way. What I've learned is I have to delegate, I have to let go of some things of which I can add no value at all. And I have to learn the hardest thing in the world for me because I'm a people pleaser. And that is I've had to learn to say no. And when I say that to all of us, it's not easy to say no. And when we do, we don't need to feel guilty because there are people that won't understand. They don't know our schedule. They don't know our circumstances. All any of us can do is the best that we can, but our greatest regret, my biggest regret is when you look back at life that was filled with a lot of good things, that it crowded out, that did not leave space and margin for the best things. We will regret that every time. I think about this man in the scripture. There's going to be a time they're going to look back and think, oh my goodness, Jesus was with us. Look at what we could have done. And, and they let all these good things in their lives crowd out their decision. They were going to be filled with regret. Let's don't keep making that mistake over and over and over again. Then the final word is maximize. And that is we need to be aware, what are our core values that are so important? What are the principles that guide us? Remember them, focus on them, maximize them in our lives because they will lead us in the way of following those things that are most important. I was thinking back to American history. Everybody familiar with President James K. Polk? Anybody remember this great president from 1845 to 1849? I know Debbie does. There, there. Harvey does too. Okay. We wonderful. Three. We got three people that know James K. Polk. He is wow. worth studying. He was a very, very good president, very successful president in a turbulent time in our nation. His vice president was from Pennsylvania. President Polk was from Tennessee. And the, pre the vice president was rumored to be the leading candidate to be elected president in the next election. And President Polk was really an effective leader. He worked through his agenda. He had one item left that was very important to him. He wanted to lower the tariff to spur economic activity in the nation. It was very popular in the South, very unpopular in Pennsylvania and the rest of the North. And so the vote was taken in the Senate to lower the tariff, and it was a tie, 27 to 27. Now, we know what the Constitution says. When there is a tie in the Senate, the vice president breaks the tie, and this vice president was stuck in a really difficult place. You talk about a tough choice, because if he backed the president and voted to lower the ta tariff, then he knew he would be hated back in Pennsylvania. His followers would be disappointed. They would be angry at him. There would be a price for him to pay. 
But he also knew that if he went against the president and, and voted to, to not lower the tariff, he would be wildly popular. They would love him. They would just shout out his name. Very likely that decision would lead him to the White House. So there he was stuck on one side, his ambition and his popularity and what his gut and conscience said were right. And he struggled with decision because his conscience said, you know, the job of a vice president is to support the president and the administration, even if it's not what you think is best. So he had this tug of war. And finally, he decided to follow his conscience. He voted to lower the tariff. And he was right. People back at Pennsylvania were furious at him. They reviled him. His followers hated him. They turned on him. In fact, his arch rival in the state, James Buchanan, would go on to be elected president. In fact, that decision actually cost him his career. Now, he would just be a footnote in history. We wouldn't remember any of that except for one small detail. This vice president was a big fan of Texas entering the union as a state, and he was instrumental in helping make that happen. And so the people in Texas were so appreciative, they decided to name a little village after this vice president, Vice President George Mifflin Dallas. And as Paul Harvey would say, now we know the rest of the story. I know the rest of the story. My friends, we have choices like that. And when they come, we don't need to panic. We need to prioritize. We need to analyze. We need to capitalize. We need to maximize. Because when those choices come, we need to follow our values, follow our conscience, follow our heart. Let it be the umpire that helps us decide. And if we do that, we will never regret it. My friends, would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that in this world filled with so many choices, we could prioritize and know that most of them are those bucket three that just aren't that important. Help us know what is important and just give our lives to those bucket one choices that make all the difference and help us learn how to analyze between all the good choices that we have because sometimes the good can crowd out the best And Lord, we want to follow you. We want to be faithful. We want to align our lives with your kingdom because if we will make that choice, all of our other choices become really easy because we choose them in the light of your love and your guidance and your leadership. So Lord, help us follow you every day, every step of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.